0: So welcome to our second part of Live in Studio Venus with Annie Martin. So yesterday we got to um, just have a chat of sort of things that have influenced Annie's work. So um, Live in Studio Venus is a Just TV and radio program as well as a podcast, which you can find on all podcast platforms. (laughs) So, um, So thank you for Just TV. Annie, that's kind of maybe now we've sort of talked a little bit about, like I had said, what informs your process. Now we're sitting in the space, which we should mention, closes Friday, but Annie will be here from 2 till 5. So it would be a perfect time to come and actually see the paintings that we've Friday. talked about on Friday. Yeah, yeah see
1: Friday? Yeah. Okay. Just
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This Friday, which is October 13th. 13th, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, to get a tattoo. (laughs) Um, So, with the paintings and looking around, color plays obviously a very big part in it. Um, Sometimes the muted colors and then the bright colors and and that kind of thing. So, it's obvious that color was really important. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe talk about that and how that.
1: Yeah. um, Well, I guess color is kind of one of the primary, or, or perhaps the primary um, concern in painting, or like it's a it's a thing that you have to account, have to address uh, at every at every turn. I mean, you, you're always using color and yeah. in, in, um, in creating the painting. Um, but I didn't I didn't necessarily have a plan as to where I was going to go with the palette each painting. Kind of told me what needed to happen. But I did have in my mind um, a kind of argument with the idea that certain colors are more suitable for representing death. Um. And so, culturally, I think in our culture, we tend to think about black, right? Um, we tend to think maybe white. Yeah. And yeah. red, for some kind of blood, well, <laughs> blood. Yeah, so there's, there's a kind of a um, and it's not just the color, it's also around imagery, but there's a kind of vocabulary preset around how could death be represented? What, what are the, what, what, are, what is a palette that's suitable to represent death? What are the forms, perhaps the images or the figures? Um, I was thinking about, you know, the Grim Reaper and the Angel of Death, and the skeletons, and yeah. um, all of these kinds of images that are part of our literary imagination. And are really beautiful and interesting, but I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And so I thought that's that, that that was really the outset of the project is how do I make a painting of the phenomenology of becoming death? And yeah. well, not all of that, but that points in that direction. That acts like a kind of reflective um, object that might help us to think about the phenomenology of, of death and dying, dying um, without falling back on those kinds of probes, I don't know. <laughs> 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 so I, I did sit down and follow a very um, kind of um, intuitive path into the paintings. So they're on, um, they're on this beautiful Baltic birch uh, plywood. So it's got already a lot of grain. And it's you let of uh, that
0: grain show through, which was lovely. Like, Yeah, yeah. So that helped
1: me a lot because um, I it was like I was looking into a a reflective pool or a surface that already had swirling beginnings of imagery in it, and I could I could then follow my intuition and kind of look into that pool and say, what am I seeing? It's like um, I I was laughing to myself, but I was thinking about the idea of seeing the Madonna in a piece of burnt toast. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> So you know we have this capacity. Our brains have the capacity to find imagery. Yeah. I find it everywhere. It's it maybe a, a, a kind of a, 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 an oddity of my mind, but I don't think so. That I can look, even am looking at the scuffs on the floor and seeing imagery. Yeah. Um, so there again. Okay, finding imagery. What does it mean to find imagery? Without finding um, clear representations that fall back on something that's not mine, yeah. So bringing something new as to
0: how you see in a color on an intuitive basis, what death is, yes. and and letting that I think the intuitive part is probably listening to you talk about the pools that you see in the grains of the wood, it, it, you know, and so it almost opens you up because you didn't paint over it. with something, right? Or, I mean,
1: make it white, and then go from there. There's There's no, yeah, there's there's no no ground, there's no Uh, gesso. So so the way that they were made, uh, some students came into me, and they really wanted to talk about process. Like, how did you make it? (laughs) (laughs) That kind of process. So how they were made is um, the way I would begin, um, because I have a background really more in acrylic, Um, I would begin with acrylic wash. Because I feel really comfortable with it. I can mm-hmm. make the paint very translucent and I'm using water. Yeah. So then I can move the paint around really fast and release, really and I have these big, beautiful, soft, fat brushes that I'm in love with. And so I would use that, and it was very imprecise, but it's like kind of like, like reaching, groping a little bit to find something in on the surface. So I put down a layer um, in, in that manner. There was color there already. In the sense that, that acrylic wash is always a painted color, but I didn't think of that as setting necessarily. It setting the color tone for the whole painting. Right. I wanted to avoid that also. So if I put a yellow or a yellow ochre wash down as my first layer, then it's going to be a yellow painting. Right. It, I, it gave me something to work and push against also in terms of the color. Um, so after the acrylic wash, this uh, was kind of this gestural thing of kind of seeking forms happened, then I would let them dry uh, for a day or two and let them sort of sit back for a day or two so that when I came to them again, they were fresh. And then I was, now I have a kind of quasi-begun painting in front of me, and I have to sit in a chair and look at it. And And is that, um, sorry to
0: interrupt, but is that a a normal way that you kind of, do painting mm-hmm. or was this something that was this a
1: departure? I think this is a departure in the sense that, except that I, this process, actually, I began using this process, a version of it, when I made the panels for the, um, Adoration project, the Hildegard project. Uh-huh. I was also working on birch panel, they were a very different dimension, and I began them by covering the surface with, with a pigment color. So they had a very decisive beginning, like, Here's a big layer of a deep red, crimson, orange. Mm-hmm. That that color now has set the ground for what the painting will become. But I didn't then have, do this thing. Where, then I let those panels sit aside for a while right. and then came back to them. This, this time around, mean. I wanted to play with oil paint um, because it's just. I mean, it's. I hadn't painted with oil for quite a long time. And this is just a little technical detail, because I had sensitized myself to thinners <laughs> and solvents and, and varnishes. Right. I, I get kind of panicked and can't breathe when I'm around those it smells. Um, that must be hard to be a painting teacher. Well, well professor, yeah. actually it's okay because we're solvent free <laughs> in our studio. At oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and so I knew it was possible. i just been maybe perhaps a little lazy um, to really go back and figure yeah. out how can I paint without solvent. So, these paintings are made with oil paint and walnut oil, oh. which is an edible oil that I buy. Yeah. A, That's a, what a, I put on my cutting <laughs> It <laughs> is. <laughs> and, and yeah, oil paint. I, I think I really want to work with oil paint because I was thinking about um, something about materiality the materiality of the body, the materiality of uh, um, the earthiness of uh, decomposition and depth and clarity. and oil paint has these, possesses its qualities. So you get this. surprise for That's, it. it won't be that it won't show up. No, <laughs>
0: we have just, we just have something in the background, but it shouldn't show up on the podcast, we should be fine. <laughs> but um, maybe picking, picking up on that, and changing the um, way that you were creating these paintings, it probably gave you a better way to um, come into the because I, I, I we didn't get to talk too much about your book that that came out and sort of the writings within this, this book um, really informed after then these paintings right yes. um, and so one thing I was wondering about last night after our conversation was the writings that you did in the book were very um, well they were collaborative right and, um, you know, sort of thinking within that about the collaboration you're doing with the other person. Then you sort of take those um, ideas or, or, or whatever um, that inspire these paintings. But it's solo, so you're doing this on your own now. Can you maybe, I don't know if you can speak about that or not, I just wonder, it just sort of struck me as, I wonder how that affects then when you take collaboration and put it into
1: into, into, into a, an individual, or solo, like I guess. Solo I guess, is that? I'm not really sure how to word it, but... Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the, the writing was collaborative in the, in the sense that um, I needed to share the writing with other people in order to figure out what it was saying and I needed to share it with Janice all along the way because she was going to be singing. Yeah. And I really needed, I needed to know that I was on the right yeah. track, that, that these things seemed singable. Yeah. Uh, I, did, I had to do research about, you know, a little bit of research about lyric writing and um, how it's different from other kinds of writing. And yeah. it's, it's kind of designed to be, to be um, performed as song. Um, painting, however, I've never been comfortable having other people around me when I'm painting. Or, yeah. I like to show my work to people and I love to have hear what they think. And I love, you know, having a studio visit and having critiques. Yeah. And did have the process of making. Yeah. But not well, when I'm holding the brush. I feel the same way. <laughs> 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 One time, a really dear friend of mine, He may watch this, um, and his name is Kevin, it's kind of the reason I went to art school, yes so God bless his heart. He's a really <laughs> dear friend. I was working on a painting in in the studio at school, and he came in and said, you need some darks in here, and he picked up a brush and loaded it with, I don't know if it was black or just like a dark, like a wrong umber or something. Um, and he went to town and added all this darkening on under all the forms of my painting.
0: And wow. I was just <sighs> like...
1: <sighs> <laughs> that, yeah. I'm a cat. That needs consent. He assumed, I mean he was a mentor to me and he yeah. assumed because I loved him and he was mentoring me and you know, even yeah. it's just a painting yeah. and, um, That would be fine. Would yeah. do that. So so the idea uh, it, it seemed completely natural to me to make these um, in a very um, solitary way. Right. And then
0: share them yeah, yeah yeah well and they're so lovely in this space and um i like i like how i sort of feel there's different moments in different parts of the gallery mm-hmm. so i sort of felt when i was sort of at this swell and just sort of the colors and what's going on it's sort of a a separate moment and then reading the book oh okay so your book so interesting so lovely to hold there's just something about it that feels soft. I don't know what the is, but it feels soft. But there's so many blank pages. And then even when it does have the text, you might have one or two lines, mm-hmm. or a little bit here or there. And I loved it. Um, the blank pages, it was like such a, felt like a luxury or something, that I have this book, and yet I have all this space to think
1: mm-hmm. in it. What, what, what did you you to yeah. me? <laughs> well, actually, you know, that was something that, that was also a collaboration. Yeah. The book was a collaboration also. Um, I approached a young artist, a really wonderful young artist, um, Courtney Faulkner, oh, okay. and asked her if she, I, if she would be interested in designing a book for me, because I knew I wanted to publish a book yeah. of the, the lyrics and their translations. But I didn't feel I had quite had the capacity to put a book together and figure out how, how to do that. Yeah. Um, there are special design softwares. But I knew that she had um, worked on Ameliorist and was behind um, the, the appearance of the Ameliorist magazine. and yeah. I liked its literary journal look and feel. And there, I noticed that the space of the page was really important yeah. and the designer. So I trusted that she would do a beautiful job. And she went away and came back with a, a kind of a mock-up for me to look at. And it was, it was the book. Ah. There was almost nothing that needed to be changed. I I I, think I had like, I wrote probably five post-it notes worth of could we tweak this and that? Like yeah. this margin maybe could be a little narrower. Um, but she came up with the idea of taking the litany, the list mm-hmm. of um, ODEF uh, phrases and drawing them out over all those pages. Yeah. And she also inserted all, all these um, blank pages in between some of the verses. That kind of came out of our conversation. I said that I liked that there would be a lot of space around the text. Yeah. And she, she yeah. so she added a lot of space. <laughs> she did. But I, I I think she was also thinking about on a pragmatic level was, like, the books work better on the binding um, machinery yeah. if they have a certain heft. Uh, if they're okay. too too skinny that it's hard to work on that book, so she wanted them to have heft. Yeah, we already had the English and then the French, so that added. Yeah, and we added images and a, a kind of an afterword and some other pages with things like um, thank acknowledgments and so on. Yeah, yeah. So I have to credit her for that. Well, you she did do a great great
0: job. It um, it's. It's lovely to so see There's actually sort of three people and it sounds like even three different personalities and ways of working that have come together in that book. Yeah. yeah. Well, and cool. do you have a couple copies left, don't you? I do. I have. Like, I think I get <laughs> away she's away getting them away. away.
1: Yeah. So, break the snow and come
0: down. It's not bad. It's actually quite lovely. It's so fun. fun. And so yeah, just give yourself the afternoon, just give yourself a little bit of time and mm-hmm. immerse in some art and you can talk to the artist as well. So where where are you going from now? What's sort of what feels like your next step in this mm-hmm. sort of giving yourself a breather? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I have
1: I have panels piled up, like ready to go Yeah. studio. So I'm definitely um, looking at a new project. I'm I'm kind of incubating though. I'm not I'm not quite ready to begin. I have a lot of ideas about where I'm going. It kind of goes back to the idea of okay, if death is a partner with life, um, I want to look at this whole holistic um, idea of of the sort of vitality of life, of, yeah. of, of life force, of and particularly beyond more extra, uh, like, not beyond, but um, more inclusive than just human life. So, looking at uh, vegetal life, um, looking at the way that plants literally make soil and breathable air and move moisture around so that they make a livable zone, which uh, one, one terminology for it is the critical zone, mm-hmm. which is from where the mineral layers beneath our feet start to become soil. Right, right. Up through the breathable atmosphere. That's the critical zone. And it's actually extraordinarily thin. Hmm. So there's this whole idea of uh, the Earth being this big chunk of rock, right? Solid all the way through. Yeah. Big, big sphere. Yeah. Floating in a vast universe. I about no, I no. no. Okay, good. No. I'm, I'm just like, yeah. Like, yeah. With its moons yeah. and in the solar system. But that kind of going back to the idea of greed that's a view that is the view of what can we exploit we want to understand that the earth is made of minerals and it's floating in space and maybe those other planets in the solar system have some exploitable materials on them yeah but actually all life in spite of our hubris, relies entirely and uniquely Critical atmosphere, and without that,
0: and that's what's happening then
1: in places where
0: there's deforestation, because now that critical layer is gone completely. Well, it's
1: we're we're risking we're yeah. risking that, right? Yeah, with the, with the, the environmental degradation, yeah, and, um, and and the impacts that we're having, we know about that species death occurring. So I, so I, 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 I don't see my back, my work as activist, even though I deeply admire activist artists and activists in general. And, um, so it's not necessarily going at it from an activist perspective, but from a, a perspective of, of curiosity, like what will what will I find if I if I um, kind of delve into this area of research. And one thing that really was a kind of a A pivotal image for me was an image of a fescue root system that I took on a visit when I went with a group of artists and scientists on this lovely day long kind of excursion. And we visited the Soil Research Center up in the foothills. I feel really daft right now. What is
0: fescue? Oh, fescue. I don't know the the name's familiar, but I'm trying to live it to bring it to my
1: it's a, oh, it's a, yes. yes, right, right, right. Yeah. So it's definitely yeah. just walk across and not. It's not. It's not long grass. It's a but the, the plains are, are amazing. Yeah, so yeah. the grass is like this tall above yeah. the ground and gets munched down. It likes to be eaten by grazing animals. but used to be buffalo but right. cattle graze in a similar way. Um So it, it actually needs to be grazed. Likes to be grazed. Um and it, it has the most extraordinary root system. It, in order to be healthy, it has to be grazed a little bit, not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's overgrazed, it dies, and its roots become degraded and much shorter and smaller. But when it has its full healthy root system, that can be six, seven, maybe more feet deep. So what that, and, and what it's doing, it's just, this was the part that just blew my mind. Yeah. What those roots are doing, is actually creating soil, hmm. so they're they're down there gently breaking down the mineral layer where it's mineral soil. It doesn't have any humus or, or like, um, organic matter. It's inorganic okay. mineral uh, material. The plant is it, this this root system is, is is down there. Now I'm not a soil scientist, but it's it's it's. Transforming that mineral layer through various processes into soil. I so, wonder if that's why we usually see that
0: in bad soil, right? Like it's usually kind of almost growing wild or, or whatever, and, and often in places where a lot of other things won't grow. So yeah. are these plants intuitively knowing where they must be growing?
1: The festival isn't endangered, but it's kind of endangered. It's, like yeah, it's not a- really occurring in very many locations. And and it's not occurring where there's been um, intensive agricultural use of land. So the, there are grassland areas in um, various locations in southern um, Canada, like along the border in the prairies, that are protected. But a lot of, the, a lot of this ecosystem has been disrupted by, by, our, by our activities. Um, however, you're right, it's a very resilient plant. But what, so the thing I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm not being very uh, concise about this. I had gone through life thinking that soil was stuff that laid around on the ground, like this brown layer, maybe for <laughs> seeds to fall on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's the agricultural kind of image. It's like you know, there's the soil now and we're will to throw some seeds on it, which will grow. It never occurred to me that. Plants created soil, right? Right. So it's just another example of how we're taking that, that life force for granted. And that the, the soil, um, which then creates a, a, an environment for not just plants, but also all kinds of microorganisms and small insects and burrowing animals. And yeah, all of that is, we're, we're so deeply... Connected to plant and animal world, right? Like like a like an, like like our mother. Mm-hmm. Right. When we're an we <laughs> like we're like infants. <laughs> we need our caretakers, the plants and animals, for everything, for everything. And and I that so that's kind of I want to find a way to express that, or or just. Um, explore it, most likely uh, well, through painting, but also through some kind of writing that will come as well. So. I, I don't know if
0: this is, is silly, but as you were talking, I was almost thinking this this distinction between um, death, oh death, um, and how you're speaking about it, thinking about it, and almost when we talk about people who aren't taking our environment seriously? That it, it's almost murder. <laughs> that that kind of death is something that, so it's not the sort of natural, necessary way that we're feeding each other they especially are feeding us plants. Mm-hmm. But um, so they're they're literally sort of murdering <laughs> these little spots, and it's it's obviously mm-hmm.
1: affecting, affecting our life.
0: How is color playing into the ones that you're doing now?
1: Well I haven't really started no. yet, but yeah I, but I I, I um, that's that's a question. That's yeah. One yeah. Yeah. to be answered <laughs> later, later, later. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I had something else I wanted to say back to this to this topic and your response was really great. Um, okay. thank you when it comes to you yeah, just <laughs> just not because of it's not it uh it was oh but um, there was a uh, I read in the news that um, New Zealand granted the rights of a person to a river because that river, in, in, the, in the Indigenous worldview, was a person. Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What if the, you know, the rivers and trees and all of these Living things had we considered them to have the same rights to be protected, to to live, to mm-hmm. to, pers- to, to persist in their in their in their, in their natural form mm-hmm. and as we think we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> a, I, yeah, it's yeah, just a really interesting. That that's maybe a helpful way to start to imagine what. How, how important, how uh, yes, and how how much it would change the way we go about living our lives yeah. um, in our Western settler. Well, this is where I think,
0: because I think there's a spot in activism for the literal protest activism. I think there's a space, obviously there is a space, for activist art. Um, I'm a feminist artist, so That sort of thing, and then there's also this space that sort of almost this. I feel I don't know if it is for you, but I feel it's almost a quiet um, contemplation without answers. Um, And and to me, that's what art does often. is It's a space for me to think, and and I've looked at your show many times, and probably by the time it comes down, I still have it. Right? I don't think that's that's something an art does, but makes you think and makes you fall fall into that, mm-hmm. right? And sort of the um, the title gives you so much, um, or gives the viewer sort of so much to look at the painting with, and then it mm-hmm. comes together. I don't know if I just battled that out. No, that that <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs>
1: Thank yeah, I think space. I think the idea of space, con- con- uh, contemplative space, is something that. I w- would like to be offering. Yeah, yeah. Because
0: that is—it sounds like when you're talking about process, that's what you do as well, right? You have that that space to be able to, with your own work as you're creating it, to be
1: able to be mm-hmm. sitting and thinking and leaving and coming back. Yeah. And uh, and doing that. Yeah. And not knowing. The not, not knowing is is important.
0: Yeah. In uh, stepping back to the book, another thing that struck me is the the gender within the book and I could almost hear the different ages or something up in the book. So the the vernacular that you use it's really distinct in, in a way and I could almost sort of, Hear different voices. So I imagine mm-hmm. having these. <laughs> is that a, I thought that was great. No, I thought it was mm-hmm. really
1: nice. That's kind of how I conceived of the, of the voice, the voices, the voice in, the, in those works is that each each piece had its own voice. It was this, this even though they were all ultimately coming out of somewhere inside me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they weren't me, and they were, they were distinct from each other, so that there's a kind of um, a chorus or a when you hear a bunch of different people talking all at the same time, it's not a cacophony. It's just like a yeah, I know, just sort of a rumor. yeah, yeah. Of, of different voices. Yeah. Well, and yeah, like I
0: say, they sounded very distinct for me. Speaking of voices and singing, because I know you're working then with Janice uh, with her singing, mm-hmm. but I see that you are singing as well, and I know from talking to you that that's not necessarily something that you're comfortable with getting up in front of a crowd and singing, right? But you right. did do it, and maybe you are now, maybe are now. Can you tell me just a little bit about that journey? I'm so interested. Um, I,
1: I Just as an aside, I could say it's been— I, I started out doing—getting involved in singing um, out of curiosity and just a long-held desire to, to engage in music. To to make music, yeah, um, and it seemed like a reasonable way in, but it's been incredibly useful. I don't think I would have been able, really, to have engaged in this project with Janice in the way that I was without having studied. So I was really gratified to figure out that my my hobby yeah. is actually useful, <laughs> 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 like in a useful like in a in a kind of like functional way, like. I can now do a kind of work yeah. um, that I would have had a lot more difficulty or been been afraid to do. Yeah. So that's been really cool. But I mean, the singing for me was like um, I don't know. I think we probably all have a thing that we just we just love, and somewhere in our heart we we are doing that thing. Like, like somewhere in my heart, I was I was singing, yeah. but I wasn't singing because I had, over years of, as an adult, decided that, oh, well, I, I can sing in the car <laughs> when no one's there. And it's turned up right <laughs> <by me. laughs> yeah. yeah. Or occasionally, you know, when I'm unloading the dishwasher or something, I'll <laughs> sing if no one's home. And the yeah. dog the But I'm not a singer. I have that idea in my mind, and it's still true. I'm not, I'm, by no means, you know, uh, uh, anything like a professional musician but I had a longing to do it. Yeah. And so I, I finally, um, it was four years ago actually, I got my courage up to take a group voice class with this wonderful teacher. Oh. Group, so yeah. so
0: here you're going and you're going to experience an art with a group. And you don't even like painting with a group. But I am the amateurs. It's a class yeah. for amateurs.
1: So no, nobody was a professional, you know, or, or trained—not professional. Professionals were trained, like the background in conservatory. Or it was a, just like I'm an adult human being who wants to open my mouth and make music. Help, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. and so it, there was a kind of we're all in this together uh, feeling in that class. And that class, um, I, I loved it. Yeah, it, it was really, really fun. And it was also really challenging because i have a for stage. Right? I think we talked about this. Yeah, I have, I have like, um, crowd phobia. I don't like public speaking. I, um, you know, I, my knees get weak, and I'm, I'm literally worried I'm going to faint sometimes. Yeah, um, and when I'm really worked up about speaking to a big group of people. So, so I also thought I had this idea that. Maybe singing will be good for me because whatever's going on there, yeah. where you are so afraid to open your mouth that you think you might faint. Yes, that's something to look at. <laughs> <I> guess, <right? laughs> but and congrats
0: for like sort of doing, having it straight on, right? Deciding mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to go in there. So I thought, well,
1: whatever happens, this is going to be helpful. This is going to be. It's a little bit like therapy. Yeah, that's cheaper. <laughs> Fun. I shouldn't That's say that. Exactly. <laughs> Therapy should be yeah. cheap. Therapy's really important, to yeah. but it, yeah, you, you know, know. yeah, it's like an affordable way to encounter life, and it's something mm-hmm. lifelong,
0: you've thought about, right? We talked about that in the first episode. How this is a lifelong thing, you know, and you sort of came from amateur music parents and that kind of thing, right? So it's something that probably was was a, another thing that needed to escape yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you, and yeah. you got good at it
1: well, and so how did it help the stage fright or are you still like oh it's getting better yeah yeah, yeah. i can get up and sing in front of people now and, and yeah and um, i am it, it's not that it goes away but i understand that it's like it's just like swimming in deep water it's like okay i'm in deep water now yeah but you know okay i am float. yeah for some mm-hmm. reason, when I speak in public, like, you know, when you have to give a
0: talk or something, I, you know, type it out and have it all there, and I get up there, and I hate mm-hmm. public speaking as well, but then I get up there and I cannot use anything. Like, I just forget to look it down, I get too nervous, and, uh, yeah, so I think the writing it out in advance helps. I think it does. Yeah, yeah it gives you a cool. train. Yeah, hope so. (laughs) Yeah, somewhere in there, it was was useful, but um, yeah, so did your singing, did you do, um, did you do any singing when Janice
1: was doing singing or music? No, I didn't. I thought that was different. I've been asked that by several people, and I thought that was a really good challenge to me. Why don't you sing the the work that you're making? I think I'm just not ready. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever will really be. Well, your son's musical. I said, he? he's very musical. Or at like, least because I yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's very music. And as your partner? She loves music. Yeah. She, she won't. Uh, she likes to sing, like, you know, in the car. Yeah. And yeah. when I'm just the dishwasher and, yeah. Uh, very interested in music that doesn't want to take a voice lesson because I've been trying to get to take it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what else are you going to say? Oh, just the, the most extraordinary thing for me about um, singing is the way that a song... I'm really interested in um, the space between. So the space between, I talked about this in ArtNet, um, <laughs> between image Image and what resonates for the viewer, um, musical notation and musical sound text and speech yeah. and voice. So this, this kind of sense of space between, but also the space between, let's say, or the, yeah, the space between, let's say a painting and a song. How can you put a painting and a song together? They're totally different. The song is like vibrations in the air that are audible, They come from a voice, and the painting is pigment and oil on the surface, like how can we talk about space? I mean, there's no similarity. However, in, in learning a bunch of musical material, I realized that when I'm singing a song, it's like I'm in a space. It's like what's happening through giving voice to a song is I'm creating a space. It's like it's almost architectural. It's like, yeah. here's the space and I'm living in it, and it's got a narrative quality, it's got a time, it's, and it's, it, 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 it lasts for as long as I'm seen, and I'm inside the space, and it's full of color, mm. and it's full of forms, and it's three-dimensional, and it really relates to how I feel about painting. The paintings, they're, they're technically two-dimensional, but they're not, because they're full of space, and yeah. full of color, they're full of forms, and they endure for the time of viewing. The so actually, I can find a lot of uh, that. That's helped me a lot to think about how how music and and painting talk about painting. It could be other kinds of imagery, but how they actually could start to um, speak to each other, relate to each other and it's, it's hugely pleasurable <laughs> yeah well it's funny
0: because i don't know if it's related at all um but i'm thinking when you first came to lethbridge i think i saw one in real life i'll have to remember so that's or not when i when you first came so it was like what 15 years ago or something 2005 so yeah, 15 yeah. Years um and i was at one of the talks that you had given. i think when they were hiring you. Um, and you had done these big color The one that sticks in my head was red. Um, quite a big screen. I think it was just leaning against the wall, and then there was sound, right? So it's almost like you were trying to bring those two together at that time, so there wasn't voice and lyrics. So somehow that's related, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been working with that space between sound and, and and object, yeah, surface, and how our bodies relate to that. Because I think I, for me, art is very much about the body. Yeah, it's about how the body walks up to the painting. Yeah. the body sees the painting. The body feels the painting. Or the same with, right, listening to music, like the body is responding. And all these really just well, watching something music right and you feel you're you're hearing the sound through your ears but that's so that's so limited and it's not i mean your whole body is responding to and not just your physical body right your your other kinds of bodies yeah are 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 responding to the sound yeah and activated by it well and we have vibration
0: all around us right so when even when we're coming close we've got that those vibrations that are kind of mixing at it at a different level that we can't see or hear yeah.
1: but that are happening we're feeling it. <laughs> yeah. 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 so i think we have subtle senses that we're not even really aware of that pick up on it. for example the vibration of sound without it having to pass through the ear yeah we feel sound yeah yeah Exactly. Yeah, very, very, very cool. cool. Well, I, I have a friend, Kelly
0: Andrews, we both have that that friend. Um, and she's done a lot of work uh, with plants and looking at sort of the, the energy and the sound and um, how that relates to art. So a lot of her art has been... Um, with live plants. Yeah, with live plants and sort of trying to find that sound, vibration, all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, I think it's a challenge again, really. it's something that seems like obvious, that it should be there. I'm not someone who has, I, I don't create that, I like having music, and I like to have that. But it's funny, I don't know why, but sound and my art, unless I'm doing a video. Art? Or podcast? Or podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many interesting people in group. it's so lovely. here. hear the seventh, seventh interview I think I had, and we've got them a bunch to come yet but it's i think it's important especially now who knew that it would be especially now um with us having to physically distance um and that kind of thing there we don't have those same rooms for conversations or being able to see art necessarily that's for a while it's going to be a little virtual yeah yeah but well thanks so much for coming annie and and like we were saying in the beginning um, she's showing here the um, Historic Trianon Gallery, and Friday she will actually be here in the gallery space from 2 till 5, um, so it would be a great opportunity to see the space. I
1: recommend it. Did you want to repeat the address because you have Yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's 105, no
0: nope, 104, 5th Street, South. It's just right across from uh, Park Place. so. Uh, yeah, come by and and check out the work. And I think it's always really nice when we have the artists present that we're able to to talk to them. So thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Okay, thank we you. talk again. <laughs>